Hello, friends. I'm JP. And I'm Drew, and you're listening to the Broken But Beautiful podcast, where we talk about why church is still worth it. Good morning, Drew. How you doing? Hey, man. JP, I'm good. Thank you for the breakfast sandwich that you bought me this morning. We got together this morning and talked a little bit about this episode, and uh, JP bought my breakfast, so I just wanted to say thank you for that. It's the little things in life, right, Drew? <laughs> no, it was good to break bread together. We're actually recording at my church building today. I've been so encouraged by the... So I'm doing a, vac- a vaccination count for my church. You remember these... You may be too young, Drew, to remember this, but once upon a time in church life, they would have these marquees at the front, and it would say, like, attendance, baptisms, contribution. And then another one that had all the song numbers from the Yes, book. okay, yeah. you have seen it. Okay, so I'm basically doing a vaccination count at my church, and <laughs> we have hit the 40% of adults at our church have been vaccinated. Wow. We're closing in on 50%. This has been... This has been the big tracker for me. But it's encouraging. There's so much to feel good about. So you're posting those numbers on the front wall of your building next to the scripture. <laughs> I do it um, I do it in my emails. I update the church on my emails. I do it in the chat box on our Zooms. Um, all the things of church life that part of me is hoping pass on soon. That's just the world we live in right now. Man, I've got a spring in my stuff, though, because spring is coming. Vaccinations are increasing. The weather's been beautiful around here lately. It's been gorgeous. More and more things about quote unquote normal life will be coming back, but hopefully we're coming back wiser and smarter. Hopefully we're coming back appreciating things a lot more. But anyway, so today's podcast, we, we've been so excited about the guests we've had the last couple of podcasts. We've got a lot of good feedback. We encourage you if you can rate and review the podcast, that's helpful. And We've got a lot of good guests coming up. I want to pause you right there. You're talking about rating and reviewing the podcast. But one thing that I don't think we do enough justice to is talking about your actual book, which this podcast is based on, and what the royalties go for if people buy that book. Yeah, the author royalties of the book all go to Room in the Inn. It's an amazing organization here in Nashville, Tennessee that works to empower the unhoused community. And they involve local churches better than any nonprofit or ministry I've ever seen. So yeah, all the royalties go to that amazing ministry. They're in the home stretch now of their winter season. So prayers for them. But yeah, rate and review the book, rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate the support. You can find the book on Amazon. It's called Broken But Beautiful, Why Church Is Still Worth It by J.P. Conway. We got some really good guests coming up. I'm actually recording an interview tonight that I'm really excited about, but we wanted to do a step back and just have a conversation, me and Drew, on a topic that has come up a lot lately, but I'll be honest with you, it's come up a lot the ten, last 10 years in my life, mm-hmm. and that's the question, what is church? Yeah, there's a, a lot of people looking at all of the institutions of the world, and if you're going to look at the institutions of the world, you have to look at the church because it's one of the most long-standing institutions of the world. And we live in a world now where people are evaluating everything they're a part of or everything that they're curious about, maybe even skeptical of. And we wanted to do our part in that conversation and just say, hey, here's what we think church looks like. Now, we're not here to provide a definitive definition of what church is. If you've listened to our podcast, we hope that you have never thought that that was our goal, that our goal is to 
tell people exactly what church is and why you need to participate. We hope that you hear our posture in this podcast as we want to invite you to be a part of this because we think it's a really good and beautiful thing for our world around us. Our goal is to seek to try to understand others, to understand our own perspective more, to practice a type of hospitality and to tolerate difference for growth. I enjoy listening to people that think differently than me because I find that I grow from that. Not that I always embrace their perspective. We'll say some things today you probably won't necessarily agree with. And I know in some of our upcoming episodes, it'll be that way with some of our interviews. But our goal is not to give hard answers to everything, but to sketch out a framework for understanding. So, Drew, let me give you a couple scenarios. Okay, hit me with it. On this idea of what is church, because we both get in lots of conversations with people about this, and and these are a few stories that I've heard in recent years, and and these are close friends. These are close friends that have had these conversations with. So one friend says, "I don't go to a church anymore. My church is. I get devotional emails from my favorite author who writes from a Christian religious perspective." And I get emailed devotionals, and I have friends that are Christian that I regularly get together with, and I don't need, normally the word that comes out is an institutional church, or I don't need a church building. I get these email devotionals, and I have friends, and that's my church. There's another family on our street that we're really close to, and we get together for dinner almost every week. We sit around the table, we have a prayer, we eat together, we're doing life together. And it's so much more organic and natural. It doesn't have all the trappings of of church. And he says, that's my church. I don't need an organized church, a church building, an institutional church. I have another friend, and this might be the most common, because I hear this a lot. Because in our city, in Nashville, Tennessee, there's a lot of nonprofits. There's a lot of, quote-unquote, Christian organizations. A lot of these are explicitly Christian Some of these are gradually becoming kind of more interfaith, but they still kind of have a religious overview uh, to some extent. And they'll say, I do all this work in this nonprofit, this ministry, this Christian school, this good work. And the people there that I work with, we encourage each other every day. There are even times that we read scripture together. There are times that we pray, and that's my church. I do that all week. Sunday becomes a day I have with my family. I feel like I'm doing the Lord's work. I feel like this is my church. I don't need to go to a building to do it. What do you think about that? I know that there are seasons in my life where I have felt more spiritually filled and felt closer to God through things I participated in that weren't affiliated with a church organization or church institution. Now, what I don't want our listeners to hear is you know, these examples that you've just given and saying that those don't count as religious experiences mm-hmm. because they do. Yeah. What I want our listeners to hear is that you and I, JP, believe that participation in a, and we're, we're going to talk about some of this a little bit later, but, but being a part of a group of people that can encourage us in our relationship and walk with God, that's crucial. Mm-hmm. And you and I are unapologetic defenders of the church as yeah. an institution. And so we just want to say, hey, if you're not a part of something like that, would you consider it? 
Or, you know, if you are and you're thinking about leaving, would you think about it again? Or maybe look at the church you're part of. Where could you dig in there a little bit deeper? Mm -hmm. So we're saying that there's all these different places that we can come to experience God. And and we're not going to be the ones to define what is church and what is not church. But, But we think that being a part of some sort of group of gathered people will only help our relationship with God, which I think before we can even talk about church and doctrine and theology, we have to talk about relationship with God Yes, first. Um, and I think as long as we're finding places to connect with God, I, I can't look at somebody and say, well, that's not church for you. I think, I think it is. When I hear my friends say these things, I understand where they're coming from and I understand how they got there. And I think it's really important to listen to what they're saying because I think it offers a helpful perspective for all of us, no matter where we come down on kind of what the nature of our church experience is going to look like. Yes. Maybe we need to go back a little bit and even look at this word church. Where does this word come from? Kind of what's the origin of it? So in the Bible, in the New Testament, the word church, ecclesia, uh, in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, that's a word for assembly. It's the word for gathering. They would use this word for city meetings, uh, civic gatherings. Um, we might think of them as, as town halls, right? <laughs> if you've ever been invited to a zoning meeting or a town hall or a school board meeting or something like that. Um, that's how the word ecclesia was used in civil society back in the Greco-Roman world. And then the church takes on that word of gathering because they were a people that gathered. Most of you probably heard this before. It's hundreds of years before they have quote-unquote church buildings, right? But the word comes from the idea that they are a gathered people. I like that definition, a people that are gathered, because to me, it's it's people. To me, church is people. To me, church is not me and the thing I read and God. That's mm-hmm. That has its place in my faith walk, but church is important because it's more than just me. It's people. It allows me to step out of my own ego, out of my own self-centeredness, and to look and say, oh, there are people around me Mm -hmm. who are on this same journey as I am. Maybe I have something to learn from them as well. And what I hear you saying, in the gathering, there's a connection that Mm -hmm. takes place. When we gather, we connect relationally with other people, and we also are connecting with God. We'll talk more about this, but there's a there's a horizontal dimension to the gathering, connecting with each other. There's a vertical dimension to the gathering, connecting with God. We've all been in gatherings where we were physically present, but we did not connect. Right. And so my friends that say, well, just kind of the, the people, the emails I get or the nonprofit I'm a part of, that's my church. I think many of them are responding to the fact that they were in a church building and sat in a pew but did not connect, and it did not translate to other things. That is a helpful corrective. And then I hear what they're saying, because when they are gathering with people in other spheres, there's something, can I make up a word here for a second? (laughs) There is something very churchy about that, because they're gathering. I get where they're coming from. Yeah, we as humans are social beings. We were designed that way by God. And that's why I think we read in Scripture about the church being the bride of Christ, how much more relational can you get? If we are a part of the bride of Christ, then we're in this deep relationship with Jesus. And it's not just 
me in relationship with Jesus. It's us in relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. And I, th- I think that's because we're social by nature, that's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And I think it's something that we might crave or desire in ways that maybe we haven't been able to name before or, you know, are just finding the words for, whether you've been in church for a long time or not. Yeah. Let me throw out a progression and I'll extend this progression each time and you give me your reaction to it. Okay. Okay. So obviously in the new Testament, when the church gathered, those gatherings were different than the civic gatherings Mm -hmm. that were taking place. Okay. So it wasn't just any gathering. It was a, a gathering in the name of Jesus. So what would you think about potentially this definition? A church is a gathering in the name of Jesus. How does that strike you? Sounds accurate. It sounds accurate. A group that meets in the name of Jesus. Well, let me ask you this. If So I've got a, the neighbor behind my house. He goes to a different church than I do in a different tradition. Every now and then, we meet in the yard and we talk, and there are times we we talk about deep stuff. There are times we talk about the Lord. There are times we encourage each other. When my neighbor and I are confessing stuff to each other <laughs> and we're asking each other for encouragement and we're talking about Jesus and we're asking for prayer, you know, Scripture says we're two or more gather. <laughs> is, is there something, is it a type of church experience when I'm talking to my neighbor in the backyard? Yeah, that sounds like church to me. And I, I, I'm hearing that, and I'm wondering if some people listening to this podcast are going, he just used some, like, churchy, religious language, <laughs> like, we pray together, we confess together, that's some of the stuff that makes me uncomfortable when I'm, quote-unquote, in church. Yeah. But it happens in a natural setting, like your backyard. Oh, yeah, because we'll talk about, I'll be like, man, I haven't been a patient father this week, how, how about you? And he's like, oh, I've been losing my patience at work, and... We're like, man, I, I got to be more like God wants me to be. And he'll say the same thing. It's very, I think there's something there. Yeah. A group, uh, a gathering in the name of Jesus, but maybe there's something more we'd want to add to it. Okay. What if I extended it like this? A gathering that meets in the name of Jesus regularly. What if I add the word regularly to it? How does that shape it for you? That sounds more appealing to me because if I'm having like you're talking about with your neighbor, deep connection like that, I doubt I'd walk away from that conversation and go, just the one time was enough. <laughs> I, 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 that, that was good, JP, but I'll, I'll, I'll pass the next time. Uh, if I'm being seen as a human in deep relational ways, I'm going to want that to happen more often. Because I probably have those types of conversations with my neighbor. It's funny, it doesn't happen much in the winter because we're not outside. And then... In the warm weather, it might happen twice a month, but then a month or two might go by and we don't talk, and then maybe we talk three weeks in a row. There's not a regularity to it. If if that was my only church, if that was the only gathering I had in the name of Jesus to draw strength from, it probably wouldn't. I'll just talk about me and my own sinful nature. That would not be enough for me to be encouraged to be the person I'm supposed to be. I know for me that would be it would almost feel a little bit hectic. Like I wasn't on this consistent trajectory to grow closer to Jesus like I would want. Mm-hmm. If, if our meetings were irregular, then I would say, I would probably find myself on occasion going, oh, I remember that conversation I had with JP. Like, can I, can we have that again sometime? Yeah. 
And then after that, I'll probably still go, can we do it again? Again. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my friends, when they tell me I don't go to church, I just regularly gather with people in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to say, I think that might be church. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's too far off from church. And sometimes, once again, I'm not the judge and the jury of what church is. I'm just shooting the breeze with, with close friends that we trust one another. But there are times I'm thinking, I think that might be church or that's fairly close. Let me, let me add another thing. Okay. To this progression. So a group that meets in the name of Jesus, a gathering in the name of Jesus, and then we'll add a gathering in the name of Jesus regularly. Okay. This next thing I'm going to add, this, this might be one that causes some problems or even some conversation, a gathering that meets in the name of Jesus regularly for worship. And along with the word worship, I'm including what people might call the sacraments, communion, the Lord's Supper, baptism, things like that. What what does that bring to the definition? When I hear the word sacraments, here's what comes to mind for me. A thing that we do, a, a thing that we can see with our eyes and touch with our hands that connects us to the work of God and what he's intending to do with our world. So for me, that would be, you know, the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. That's us having a meal with Jesus on the Lord's Day. And by Lord's Day, I mean like when all of this comes to an end, we're sitting with Jesus and I have communion on a Sunday and I go, oh, that's me looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, when I think of the sacrament of baptism, I think of what is God doing when it all is said and done. Mm-hmm. He's making all things new. He's washing us and making us clean. That's what I hear when I think sacrament. But I know that there are a lot of people who hear the word sacrament and they think that's just the churchy thing that people do. Yeah. And I don't really know why we do it, but it's just what we've always done. So I could hear people hearing this definition of a group that meets in the name of Jesus for the sacraments. And they're going, why would we do this thing over and over and over again but not ever know why we do it or it just becomes stale to me or that kind of thing. Like to me, that's the word sacraments is where church gets exciting. But for some people it's where church becomes stale. Oh, absolutely. Because we all have memories of just a rote ritualistic type of situation that we use the expression, just going through the motions and probably all of us, even the most (laughs) devoted church going people among us, can remember a time where it just seemed really rote and ritualistic and mm-hmm. we're like, what is the meaning of this? Specifically, as we focus more and more on the singing, and not everybody likes to sing, let's face it, and we focus a lot on the sermon, and I see some church traditions have focused less on communion, less on scripture reading and prayer and some of those things. Let me take this a direction you weren't expecting. Okay. Drew, have you heard that viewership for sports on television has plummeted over the last year. Have you heard this? I have not heard this. So they're trying to figure out all the reasons why people have not watched sports as much over the last year because the conventional wisdom would be we're home more during the pandemic and they have found very creative ways to keep these sports going. Like you've all seen a game where the coaches are wearing the NBA bubble. The NBA bubble, and we see the bizarreness when the coaches have the mask on and then they take the mask off to yell at their players and they put the mask back on. (laughs) Like, we've all seen this. But yet, even though they've gone to all that trouble, viewership is down. And there's Mm. so many theories on why this is the case. Let me add another, okay? 
I think they've underestimated the fact that the fan going to a game every now and then is part of the overall package of viewership. Hmm. And the fact that I have not been able to go to a game over the last year, I've gotten it. And not that I would go to a ton, but I might go to one football game a year, a couple of baseball games a year. And it was something about going and being there with everyone else and being devoted to what was going on in the field that fostered increased interest mm-hmm. and decreased devotion to watching it on TV. I think gathering produces more engagement. Yeah. And and so people have wondered about sports viewership. I think once fans can go to games probably later this year, I think sports viewership to, will return to where it was because there's something about going and attending and participating that fosters more engagement. So I'm going to make a bizarre, perhaps, connection here with worship. Something happens in worship that changes us. Mm-hmm. And it changes us whether we know it's changing us or not. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's a blind reality to it, but I think when we participate in worship, when we gather to worship, it's not always exciting. It may not always seem engaging. There may be times where like, now what are we doing again? But I think there's something about it that can really shape us. I've been thinking lately about what happens when we pray. Now, I haven't done any like psychological research or physiological research on this, but I just, I I think prayer is more than just us speaking to God. There's something that happens there that I'll speak for myself. I know when I pray, I'm being forced to put my words and my actions into some sort of whole thought and to present it to God. And I think whether we realize it's happening or not, what you're saying is we come to worship and we sing these songs or we participate in these sacraments or we hear these words from whoever's preaching them. Something is happening within us that's solidifying us, either solidifying us or breaking us down in some way so that we know who we are in light of God. People often tell me, I can't remember one sentence from any sermon I've ever heard. (laughs) And, And I like to gently respond, do you remember any sentence you heard from first grade? And normally they don't, but I'm like, it was a building block. It was a shaping, and it got you to second grade, and second grade got you to third grade. And there's a formative aspect, whether we remember all the specific things or not. So my close friends that are still gathering with others in the name of Jesus, but there's not a worship element, I think more often than not, they did that, Because the worship aspect was so large, it crowded out other things. Yeah. So we mentioned that our vertical connection with God, our horizontal connection with each other, the greatest command to love God, the second greatest command to love our neighbor as yourself. So many people I'm close to in my life, they they wonder about all the attention on worship because in their life they have seen... We, we said we loved God, but we never got around to loving our neighbor. And so I'm going to go out and love my neighbor. So I'm going to gather with other people. I'm going to gather with other people in the name of Jesus. I'm going to gather with other people to do good things. To which, once again, I'm like, that sounds pretty close to church. But oftentimes there's not a worship aspect. And I think it's a corrective on 
you guys got so into loving God, you forgot to love your neighbor. I think that's a corrective I yeah, need to hear. Absolutely. And I think at the same time, to me, it's a pendulum. Yes. We can swing so far one way and then all of a sudden discover that we need that corrective and swing so far the other way. That pendulum a lot of times swings so fast that we never focus on what happens in the middle when we blend the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship. Okay, so I have a friend who's like, I don't do church anymore. Instead, I meet with people in one of our homes. We meet once a week. We meet on Sunday night. We pray together. We read a scripture. We encourage each other to live out the will of Jesus. But I don't I don't really do church anymore, <laughs> which I always want to respond. I think you do. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that is I think that is church. Absolutely. Right? But I think what they're saying is I got so frustrated with quote unquote institutional church that spent so much time on the color of the carpet um, and adding on to the building and orchestrating the worship service that we never got around to loving our neighbors. Can I add one more thing to this progression? Sure. So we said a gathering that meets in the name of Jesus. And then we added the word regularly, a gathering that meets in the name of Jesus regularly. And then we added worship. Okay. And I want us to all think about how worship sustains us, shapes us, and changes us, but how sometimes it can be all-encompassing that we forget to love our neighbors. So I think that's a good corrective. But then I'll add one more thing. So a gathering that meets in the name of Jesus regularly for worship with, and this is what I'm adding, with accountability and mission. What do you think of that? Yeah, when I participate in something when I do something that's formative of me, it's not very often that I go, wow, I was shaped, I was changed by that. I'm good. <laughs> like, no, usually I'm shaped and changed in some way and I, I want to go do something with it. Um, I think like I was saying, we're human beings who are social by nature. I think we're human beings who are designed to go and do. You know, we're talking about this pendulum swing between focusing too much on the vertical relationship mm -hmm. versus the horizontal relationship. I think there's also this pendulum within us that work. Uh, what I've heard people say as we're trying to balance between being human beings and human doings. Oh, wow. So, you know, versus this, this swing of, I could be just this person who is, you were changed. I was changed mm -hmm. and I don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Or I can be this person who I do and I do and I do, but then I lose the focus on who am I? And I think there's a balance there that when we participate in a group that meets in the name of Jesus regularly for worship with accountability and mission, I leave that place hoping that people are going to say, hey, you were changed. I was changed. Let's, let's do something with that together. And I anticipate there are people hearing this saying, JP, I went to church for years and I saw people never held accountable yeah. for their poor behavior. Mm -hmm. And I'm with you. It's frustrating and it was wrong. Right. And some of you might be saying, well, I'm, I'm part of this neighborhood collective or I'm part of this nonprofit group. There's actually more accountability here than there was in my church. And once again, I hear you. I think we're called to be so involved in each other's lives where we can say, I love you, and I love you so much I'm not going to let this go. Yeah. I want you to think about how you're talking to your spouse. I want you to think about how you're talking to your children. I want you to think about how you're talking about your neighbors. I want you to think about how you're talking about that group of people. I want you to think about that. Not in harsh judgment, 
or unfair judgment, but I love you. And because I love you, I want to hold you accountable. And I want you to hold me accountable. That's hard, but I think that's church. I think that's the church we see in the New Testament that's having hard conversations with each other. Yeah. I hear a lot of people saying, I've sat in church and I've looked across the aisle to another pew and I know what that person Mm -hmm. has done that they've never been held accountable for. I don't know. I'm just going to say this. I don't know if it's right or not. You and I can talk about it after if we want to include this or not. <laughs> but you go hold that a person that person accountable. Yeah. Like your role in that church is to participate in that body, in that relationship with those people. If you have two people that are agreeing to be a part of the same body that wants to hold people accountable, you have a job to play to go hold that person accountable. Yeah. Don't I you know, you might be afraid to do it. You might be terrified to do it, but I think that we might be called to that. Yeah. Because it's through that holding each other accountable that we work towards the mission, the mission of expanding the reign of God in this world, Mm -hmm. the mission of glorifying God, these things we've been talking about, of loving our neighbor and honoring Jesus in all that we do. So as we move towards the end of this, when I have my conversations with, with my close friends and they're like, hey, I really don't do church anymore, I... I do read my Bible, I do devotionals, and I have some Christian friends in my life. My response is, that's pretty churchy. Like, I I think there's some good stuff going on. Um, Have you thought about this, the regularity of it, the accountability of it, the the absence of worship there? But I I get how they got there because, as we talked about in other podcasts, it was the brokenness of church that pushed them away, often the neglect of loving our neighbors. And then for people that may be in an institutional church or organized church every week, I think we got to ask this question, am I gathering in the name of Jesus? Or is this a form of social Christianity that I've gotten involved in? Have I gathered but not connected? (laughs) Because I think a lot of us can do that. And then when I have friends that say, I don't do church anymore, I just gather in a home with some people and we read the Bible and pray and we encourage each other to follow the will of Jesus in this world. I want to say, I think that might be a church. Like, I think you are doing church. I think you're just doing it differently. I don't want it to come across as JP and I saying, people are doing church wrong. (laughs) I hope it comes across as JP and I saying, we want the full experience for you. Yeah. Um, We think that the full experience is about gathering with people regularly in the name of Jesus to experience yeah. something that draws them closer to God and that, that invites them to be a part of something. I, I, I want people to, to hear us saying, we invite you to that. Like, we know it's possible. Yeah. It hasn't always been done well, but we think it's possible. A question I ask myself a lot is, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. And even people that have made decisions that are different than the decisions I've made about these topics, I want to pause, I want to take a deep breath and say, why have they made the choices they've made? What can I learn from that? What am I missing? Because there are trappings of organized church building expressions that can get us off course of loving God and loving our neighbor. As we've said throughout, though, that's why I'm for reform and not abandonment. You were saying earlier there's something that you tell your students or you ask your students. Yeah, when you get into a conversation with somebody that has different views, 
you know, normally we get in this thing where the other person's talking and we're not really listening because we're already, we're planning our rebuttal and our zingers and all this stuff. Yeah. But I think a good way to phrase it, and someone helped me with this years ago, is thinking, what is the weakness in my view? Like, what is the shortcoming, the weakest link of my view? And what is the strength of their view? Because when I have conversations with friends and family members about church, I often find there's there's a strength in what they're saying. Yeah. Even people in my life that have completely left church or, or maybe even completely left faith, at some point in the conversation, some type of strength will show up. Yeah, I will be able to learn something. And it will reveal there is a shortcoming somewhere in my thought process. There yeah. is a shortcoming. And if I can be patient and tolerate difference for the sake of growth, I've grown a lot from it. And when I construct this with, with my students, a bunch of them will come back and say, boy, that that's a helpful way to phrase or to frame conversation. So we're going to be having more interviews in, in upcoming episodes, but we wanted to pause here uh, with you all and just talk about what is church. And once again, not trying to give the cleanest cut, take it to the bank definition, but a framework for thinking this through. Yeah. In in the spirit of what you were just saying, if there is something that you heard that you're going, I think the definition might be missing this, or I have a question about this, feel free to reach out to JP or I. I think we would be glad to hear from you because I think we're both open to asking that question. Can I end with a, a quote from a philosopher? Sure. The philosopher, Charles Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Barkley, the, the ba- retired basketball player and Uh, television commentator he wrote a book once entitled i could be wrong but i doubt it (laughs) and i quote that to friends all the time i could be wrong but i doubt it but in all seriousness what i often say to one of my buddies when we have these conversations i say i could be wrong i have been before yeah (laughs) and that's the truth on a lot of this so let's just keep let's keep listening to one another and let's keep growing together yeah i think one thing that i'm hoping for us to do in the future is take a bunch of questions from listeners and jp and i can sort through them and try and give our takes on them and i think that would be a really cool episode for us to do in the future so be on the lookout for ways to submit questions in the future but jp i think this has been a really good conversation again by no means is it definitive on what church is We just wanted to give our takes and increase the opportunity for more conversation in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, JP.